Hello all, my name is Brittany and this is the Exposing Grief Podcast where I continue to remove that stigma of grief and expose it for what it truly is, which is that natural and healthy way of living and loving. I'll also be adding a little bit of a twist. So this podcast will expose the work behind honoring your grief journey, showing you the real hardships and the unbelievable beauty that grief can bring. I'm thrilled to have you here. So let's get to ending the grief stigma and beginning to build hope. Welcome back to the Exposing Grief Podcast. This episode is dropping on August 30th, 2022, and that date is important to note because August 30th is Grief Awareness Day. Were you aware? (laughs) If not, happy Grief Awareness Day, and in honor of this day, I want to bring a bonus episode to you because one of the best ways we can raise awareness around important topics or causes that that we value is to talk about them. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about some grief. I know. Shocker. Last week, I dropped a Grief Wishes episode where I talk about the five things those who are grieving wish you knew. And if you haven't listened to it yet, I'd encourage you to check it out. Another way we raise awareness is to provide understanding around what we're talking about. And last week's episode will help those who aren't currently walking through a grief journey to understand what an individual who is grieving actually experiences. And for those of you who are grieving, it'll help normalize and validate what you're experiencing as you walk through your grief journey. So be sure to check that out. This week, to raise awareness, I want to share with you the top 10 things grief therapists wish for you to know. Now, these 10 points come from my own experience sitting with clients, as well as the wishes I've heard from other grief therapists. And also, if you are a grief therapist listening to this, first of all, thank you for tuning in. But also, I would love for you to contribute if there are any other pieces that you're like, oh, I just wish my clients or those who are grieving knew this about grief therapy, grief in general, whatever it is. So please don't hesitate to reach out because I'd love to have your voices be heard as well. So we have a lot to cover. We have 10 of these things to look at. So let's jump right in, starting with number 10. The stages of grief aren't real. I will never pass up on an opportunity to talk about this most common grief myth I hear. And I'm curious, how many of you prior to listening to the last 5, 10 seconds believed that grief occurred in stages? If you are raising your hand or nodding your head going, yep, 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 that's okay. You're not alone. And if you're not, if you're thinking, well, no, I already knew that. Fantastic. I'm so happy to hear that you've already had the chance to remove that mold from your journey. Now, I understand that this can be a little tricky to understand. And you might be thinking, well, how can these stages not be real? I I know I've seen them and I know I've heard of them. You're right. The five stages do exist. They were originally created by Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross for somebody who was in the dying process. They were not originally created for someone who was grieving the death of a loved one. However, as time went on, these stages became more well-known and they were kind of a, a tangible approach to something that is hard to grasp. So it quickly became attached to the grief process to help make sense of it. So when I talk about these stages, I like to say the stages themselves aren't incorrect. However, the environment in which they are placed is wrong. Now let me explain what I mean. 
So yes, they may work for those who are in the dying process. However, they do not work for those who are navigating a grief journey. Sure, we may experience anger during our grieving process, absolutely, but that doesn't mean we'll experience the other four stages, and that's okay. When these stages are applied to the grieving process, it can leave us feeling as though there's a right or a wrong way to grieve, which we know just is not true. And when we don't follow the linear pattern of the stages and don't smoothly go from one to the next, we begin to question, well, what am I doing wrong? Nothing. In my opinion, the only way you can grieve incorrectly is if you don't do if you don't do the grief work in a way that makes sense to you. If you're not honoring your grief journey. So I invite you to remove this barrier from your grief journey and start discovering what your process looks like outside of any sort of mold. Number 9, there is no timeline in grief. This is another common myth that I love getting the opportunity to debunk and provide explanation around. And I'll be fairly short with this one because I could provide all sorts of reasons as to why grief following a timeline is a myth and not a fact. Reasons such as grief goes forward, backward, up, down, side to side. (laughs) Or there are a handful of factors that can influence a grief journey. But aside from all these things, it comes down, in my opinion, to two main points. The first one being, there is no timeline in grief because we are all different, which means each grief journey will be unique to the individual. Like we talked about in the first point, there is no right or wrong way to grieve. The second main point that debunks the myth of grief following a timeline is the fact that we will grieve in some fashion forever. Now, this doesn't mean your grief won't change. It most definitely will. And... It will always be part of your life because you will always have love for the person who died. We wouldn't be expected to stop loving that person, so why are we expected to stop grieving and mourning them? Number eight, grief therapists want you to know we are not here to tell you how you should be grieving. We are here to help you discover what your grief journey looks like, and we are here to guide you through that journey. As we've talked about, there is no right way or wrong way to grieve. Sometimes this thought can manifest as expecting or maybe even hoping that grief therapists are here to tell you how to navigate this difficult journey because there's no manuscript that comes with this. So we're kind of left like, um, help, what do I do? (laughs) And I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're having a thought of like, well, hold on a second. Why come see a grief therapist if you're not going to tell us what to do? Fair? Valid question. So let me do some clarifying. Yes, of course, we are going to give you all the tools and strategies and exercises that we know to help you in your process. We will also implement various interventions within our sessions that we believe would benefit you based on what you're communicating. However, we will never tell you you have to do something. We will suggest and provide reasoning behind why we believe it would benefit your process. We may even also discuss the risks or obstacles around not engaging in the intervention, but we will never tell you this is something you must do. That is for you to decide. You are the expert on yourself and your experiences, including what feels right and what doesn't. So grief therapists act as a guide. 
I like to tell my clients, I am your map. I provide you with different routes, paths, maybe even detours sometimes that suggest more effective routes to take. But you are the driver. You get to decide what direction you go. Number seven, grief therapists are human. And we've also grieved because grief is a universal and collective experience. Now, I put this one in here because regardless of what someone is seeking therapy for, it's not uncommon for individuals to be hesitant towards therapy or even sometimes fear going to therapy for the fact that we may come off as inhuman and someone who hasn't experienced hardships. I'm going to tell you right now, this couldn't be further from the truth. As a human body, we have all experienced hurt and have navigated hardships and therapists fall into that human body group. And some of the hardships and hurt that we've experienced is what leads us into that feel for some therapists, not everybody. When it comes to grief and loss, this is something everyone will experience. Regardless of what path your life takes or the goals and dreams you have, we will all experience loss at some point in our lives. We may not all battle clinical depression or PTSD, But we will all experience loss, meaning we will all have a grief experience at some point. So while your grief therapist may not have experienced the exact same loss, we've definitely experienced loss and understand what's needed in order to effectively grieve. And our own experience with loss, in, in addition to our training and all that kind of stuff, allows us to create a safe, welcoming, and non-judgmental space for you to do the grief work that feels right to you. Number six, non-death experiences are welcomed and encouraged to be brought into the therapy process. When you think of grief or when you hear someone is grieving, what type of loss comes to mind? What, What type of loss are you expecting that they're grieving? As you're thinking about this and finding an answer, I don't want to answer for you. So I will answer this question from what I have observed in our society. Typically, our society attaches grief to common losses, which is the loss of a loved one or a person. And I would even argue that this also includes pet loss, but that's a whole different conversation, which stay tuned for a few upcoming episodes next month because I will be touching on and discussing pet loss. But our society typically attaches grief to common losses. However, grief and mourning also applies to those ambiguous living losses or non-death experiences. If you haven't heard of this term or if you haven't heard of these types of losses, that's okay. That's what this podcast is for. I'm going to tell you about them. I'm going to teach you about them. So Pauline Boss coined the term ambiguous loss and she identifies two different types of ambiguous loss. The first type being the loss is physically absent but psychologically present. Type two, the loss is psychologically absent, but physically present. A few examples of both of these losses would be the loss of a job, military and deployment, adoption, Alzheimer's. This is a big one for that second type. Everything that we knew about them mentally, emotionally, all that that made it who that person was, is gone. But their physical body is still here. And that can complicate a grief journey. Identity loss, divorce, all of the losses attached to how our world and typical way of living drastically altered due to the pandemic a couple years ago. 
these losses trigger similar emotions that we experience after we've lost a loved one. So if we have similar experiences to different losses, why would we not give it the same space to properly grieve? Number five, grief therapy is for the new, mature, and everything in between journeys. So just like there is no timeline in grief, there is no timeline or rule as to when to seek out and start your grief therapy process if that fits in your journey. Grief therapy may not be the route for you and that's okay. If it is, you can come engage in grief therapy if you are caregiving for a loved one and anticipating the loss. We welcome you to engage in grief therapy if you just experienced your loss and are fresh into your grief journey. We invite you to engage in grief therapy if you thought, I've done my grief work already, and then your life circumstances change and it surfaced new experiences within your grief journey. You can engage in grief therapy if you experienced your loss 20 years ago. It doesn't matter where you are in your grief journey or how long ago you experienced your loss. We just want you to come. Know that you are welcome in any grief therapy setting, regardless of where you are within your grief. And this point also applies to seeking grief resources. So blogs, educational material, this podcast, come one, come all, (laughs) seriously, and come as you are. All are welcome. Number four, grief therapy is not all crying and sadness. And this is true for not only the grief therapy process, but for the grief experience as a whole. We know the typical thought to grief and grief therapy is sadness and crying, which yes, absolutely, don't get me wrong, those moments are definitely going to be part of the process. But it's not the whole experience. There is a lot of beauty that can come from grief, as my guests on this podcast up to this point have so nicely displayed. And my next point that we'll touch on, we'll go a little further into depth on this one, but... While yes, there is sadness and crying that happens in session, and how could there not be? We're processing a lot of heavy shit. There is also laughter, smiles, sharing of happy memories, growth, breakthroughs, relief, whatever it is, you name it. There's also a lot of good that comes out of engaging in grief therapy or addressing your grief. So don't steer away from it. Encourage it. Welcome it, invite it in. Number three, experiencing positive and negative emotions while grieving is healthy. I have sat with so many clients expressing fear around what experiencing a positive emotion means about their love for their deceased loved one. It's often communicated as if I have a good time or I smile or I laugh without them here, does that mean I don't love them as much? No. You get to have moments of joy, laughter, contentment, while also experiencing sadness, dread, and exhaustion in the very next moment. Like Brene Brown says, we can't selectively feel. If we only allow ourselves to feel positive emotions but deny ourselves the ability to feel negative emotions, those positive emotions we're experiencing are only going to be muted. We won't be experiencing them to the full capacity that we could. So I encourage you to allow any and all emotions to be part of your grief experience, including what we touched on in the previous point. 
if engaging in grief therapy is right for your process. When these negative and positive emotions are present, acknowledge and validate them. You will have moments of joy and you will have moments of sadness. Both are okay. And chances are both shed some light on your grief process and what's needed in order for you to effectively walk through it and grow around it. So welcome them. Allow them to be there. Number two, there is a lot of power and healing that can happen when engaging in grief breaks. So this point speaks to the idea of removing the stigma that you must always be grieving or doing your grief work. I will see this obstacle in therapy as a whole, whether someone is walking through a grief journey or not. This belief that if we are actively engaging in a therapy process or any sort of self-improvement, we must be thinking about our stuff and working on it 24-7. No way. That is exhausting. Think about exercise for an example. Yes, consistency is key and we must revisit similar exercises on a regular basis if we want to see the results. But another important part of reaching our fitness goals is giving the body a rest. The same goes for grief work. In order for you to grow around your grief and learn how to carry the loss with you, you must allow yourself time to take a break from it all. Many have referred to this as taking a grief break. And I have a blog article that I will put in the show notes for you that talks about what a grief break is. It guides you through beginning to explore how you might implement grief breaks within your process. But the Cliff Notes version of it is grief breaks allow you to take a moment to focus on something other than the grief. Does that mean the grief will disappear? No, it will still be there, but you are actively redirecting the focus to fuel other parts of you, which I know it can feel like, how are there other parts of me when this grief feels all consuming? But you do still have other parts of you. Grief is not all of you. The more often you engage in the grief breaks, you will begin to discover and rediscover other parts of you outside of your grief, which is only going to contribute to your overall grieving process and ability to reach your goals, whatever those might be. And the number one thing, and I put this as number one because I have heard it from almost every single client I've sat with, every single individual I've encountered who is grieving This idea of feeling crazy. The number one thing I as a grief therapist want you to know is you are not crazy. Almost every single one of my clients has communicated this. Either within the first or second session, they'll be telling me about an experience and then they'll ask, does that make me sound crazy? Or they'll preface their story around their experience with, this is going to make me sound crazy. So if you are having these thoughts yourself, I want to reassure you, you are not crazy. You are more than likely experiencing a natural and healthy part of grief. Alan Wolfelt, who is a very well-known figure in the grief work world, wrote in one of his books, what is seen as abnormal or unusual in regular day life is often seen as normal or typical in grief. So the things you're experiencing while grieving that appear to be unusual outside of grief, such as talking to someone who isn't physically present, is more often than not typical and healthy within grief. 
If you ever find yourself wondering if you sound crazy or worry that you're going crazy, and disclaimer, the term or description of crazy is what has been communicated to me by those who are grieving. This is not a description I am choosing to place on this experience. If you are having these feelings or you are having these thoughts, I encourage you to remind yourself the experiences we encounter in grief are atypical in everyday life. And remind yourself that what you're experiencing is okay and healthy and is probably is gonna be the next step that you need to push you through your process. Whew, okay, we've covered a lot. (laughs) And I'm sure there are a thousand more things grief therapists wish you knew. But for this Grief Awareness Day, I hope you were able to take one of these, if not multiple, and slip it into your back pocket to help you along your grief journey. If you have questions or if you have questions on any of these or want to share your thoughts on these, I'd love to hear from you. My email is always in the show notes or even better, you can reach out to me on Instagram at exposing underscore grief. I love connecting with my listeners because let's be real, you are the reason I am here. This is for you. So let's connect. Thank you for taking the time to sit with me today and take in what grief therapists want you to know. And as always, here's to honoring your grief journey and creating a world where grief is fully accepted and welcomed one episode at a time. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Exposing Grief. I want you to know that you are playing an important part in removing that stigma of grief and in turn creating a world where expression of love for our living and deceased loved ones is acceptable and welcomed. For that, I am forever grateful to you. If you resonated with this episode today, please share it with someone you believe would benefit or I welcome any and all reviews so it's easier for others who need this hope in their life to find me. Here's to honoring your grief journey and empowering others to do the same. Until next time.